Hello again. I've spoken about photo books before and I thought it was a, a subject that was worth revisiting. And before I've spoken about the kind of things to think about, perhaps when you're shooting, um, so to make sure you've got the right kind of format, you've got the right resolution of image to come up well in a photo book, if that's what you're planning to do. So start with the end in mind from from that perspective of um, taking your photographs with a view to having them in a book. So that might be because you're traveling, you might be on a project, you might be just doing a, a personal project locally. So whatever it is that you're doing and whatever you're whatever you have in mind as a final project, uh, that will obviously determine what sort of resolution you'd need to be shooting. So I wanted to go beyond that because I've spoken a little bit about that before. I wanted to talk more about what you do once you've gone away and taken lots of photographs. And it's very easy to sit down with thousands of photographs on a disk drive and have to start thinning those out so that you've got um, a, a, a number that you can put in a photo book. And obviously the size of the book is up to you. So how do you approach that? Now, obviously, it depends a little bit on what you're doing. So it might be you. It might be that you've gone on holiday somewhere. So that might, in turn, lead to a particular narrative or a particular sequence. So you might do either day by day or location by location. They would be fairly obvious ways to begin to order the book. But once you've got a broad order of how you want to present the photographs, that in turn will help you when it comes to choosing which particular images you're going to use. So I would say that's probably the first place to start. Just start thinking about what's the story. And I've spoken a lot about being a visual storyteller, as in when you're looking through your viewfinder or looking at the LCD on the back of the camera, what is the story? It can be quite a short story, but what's the story you are trying to tell with that photograph? And obviously, if you're doing that, with every photograph, it makes sense that that would then extend into a group of photographs. What's the story of that group? Is it telling the story of that place on that day? Is it um, giving people insights into a particular animal? It might be giving them views of an animal that they wouldn't normally get or a, a shot that makes them think about something differently. It might be something they see every day. So you could, for example shoot in a location that you know well, but shoot detail. So what's running through my mind at the moment is when I was with We Were Observers, uh, the guys there, uh, we would sometimes uh, meet at Circular Quay and they pointed out that in the railings, so this is in the railings where the ferry terminal is. So most people are just shooting past these uh, railings to get onto their ferry, but there are these beautiful little dolphins. So... Whatever you're shooting and whatever your theme is, that in itself will hopefully give you some clues to how to order your book and how to have the content flow in some way that for somebody approaching it cold, they can get into it. Because if you've got a narrative, a visual narrative going, then you really want that narrative to draw people in so that they enjoy the photograph they're looking at and they want to look at the next one. So these are the kind of things to be thinking about. Now, 
it might not be immediately apparent. So I wouldn't worry about that if you're starting to put a book together and you really are struggling with how to order the book. I would perhaps suggest um, a couple of things, you know, what I've already uh, suggested. So it might be by date. It might be by subject, whether that's an animal or a location or something else. With the railings that I mentioned, it could be detailed. You could go macro to micro and kind of have a flow in that direction. So different ways of, of doing it. Um, one tip I would give you, it was something that I used to do with portrait photographs, is if you're going to mix black and white and colour images, I would suggest starting with the black and white and then moving to colour because it tends to um, make the colour that much more impactful because if, you, if, you, if you've been looking at a sequence of black and white and then you switch to colour, that colour has a greater impact. Um, you might do that as a, as the whole book, so first part of the book is black and white, second part is colour, or you might do it in sections. So you start, lead a section with black and white and then switch to colour, then back to black and white for the next one. So these are just ideas and they may or may not work for you, but these are just ways you can arrange the uh, images that you shortlist. And that does bring us to the next thing. It's how do you shortlist thousands of, of images? So what I would suggest first of all, is to have an idea, and it doesn't have to be too precise, but just a rough idea of how many images you want to have in the book and how you're going to show them. Because if you have one image per page, that's definitely one way of doing it. Or you might, on some pages, have, say, four smaller images just together on one page. Now, if you're going to have four smaller images, they could be a sequence of the same subject so that would mean that you might have four or maybe even five photographs if you've got four small one large and that would be a nice two-page spread in the book and give a nice sequence maybe it's showing a behavior whatever else it might be so it's something to think about and um, to think about how big you want the book to be now that might be driven by cost uh, it might be driven by the audience that you have so there are, there are various things that can drive how big you might want this, this particular photo book to be, but it's something to think about. So getting back to your thousands of images, how do you start to uh, break them down? Well, a few things to look at when you're doing your initial culling. And the first thing I would say that anything isn't really sharp, isn't unless you particularly went out of, fo want out of focus images, but assuming that you don't, then make sure that they're the best, uh, sharpest, uh, clearest photographs that you've got. So make sure they're technically good. Uh, even if you bring them out a little bit with post-processing, you pretty much want them uh, nice and sharp so that they'll reproduce well. Um, bear in mind, you probably want to have them as um, 300 ppi, as um, a points per inch, pixels per inch. Um, and that's that will give you a bigger file, but it gives you more detail in the photograph. And most photo books I'm aware of would tend to look at 300 being a good number to go for, simply because if you go higher, there's not that much, you can't see that much difference. But if you go lower, you can have quite a fall off in the um, detail and the sharpness of the photograph. So bear that in mind. So first of all, make sure they're technically good. The next thing is if you have particular photographs that are your favourites, 
try and include those. And the only thing that would stop me putting in a favourite would be if I found I just felt technically it wasn't good enough for uh, the book. I might have got a focus wrong. I might have got a shutter speed wrong and it's a little bit blurry and um, I've not been able to correct it. So those also are things just to look at. And I think you have to be pretty ruthless sometimes. Sometimes there might be a photograph you really like, but if you're being honest, it it isn't technically correct. And again, it depends on what you're doing with the book. If it's something that's just for you or just for a small group of friends, that might be okay. But if it's a book that you want to sell or you want to represent and showcase your work, you you really have to make sure that the images you're choosing are the highest quality because you want everything, every image that somebody looks at to be um, as, as, as good as it can be. It needs to be technically correct because people will judge you by your worst photograph. <laughs> so something to uh, to think about. Okay, so what then? So hopefully in that process, that will begin to reduce the numbers. And what I often do, I have an initial kind of cull. So what I will do is go through, scoot through all of the images on um, Bridge. Now, if you're, losing light, if you're using Lightroom, uh, you have quite good indexing, um, options in Lightroom and that can make it much easier to find um, particular photographs. You could tag them by location, by the subject, if it's an animal, the type of animal, that kind of thing. Um, I'll be honest, I don't do that because I don't use Lightroom. Not that there's anything wrong with Lightroom, it's just that I sort of gradually taught myself what I needed to know on Photoshop and um, as much as I would, I, I have dabbled a little bit with Lightroom but usually I'm in a hurry to do things and I tend to just default to uh, what I know best. So I'll tend to look at things on bridge. I will pull images off, normally the raw image, and just put it in a collection of images that are potentials. And then once I've gone through that process, and normally I'll still have um, a few hundred images quite often at that stage, I'll then look at images and, and look at which ones are very similar if, for example, it's the same animal and they it might be doing similar things, but I, I shot it on different days. So I've got um, some images from earlier in the shoot, whether it's you know a day or several weeks or whatever it is, and then other images later. And I might just compare those against one another and make a choice on whether or not it's worth keeping both of them in or just use one um, or however many I, I feel that I want to make up that particular sequence and to tell that particular story. So that then means I have a second pass, and that's where I'll sort of get rid of them. They're not quite duplicates, but they're very similar. So pictures that are very similar, I will then cut out that way. Another way that I'll also approach this is to look at how I've decided to break the book up. It might be by, in my case with wildlife, it's often the type of animal, and I have, I, I did a, I've done a couple of books that are just elephants. So with those, I'm obviously just using pictures of elephants, but I'm looking at behaviors. There's certain things I want to talk about. It might be diseases they have. It might be showing the conditions. So there will be wide shots in there. There'll be close up shots. There'll be close ups of the underneath of their feet to show um, how the, uh, the underside of their feet are marked and how that marking tra 
transfers itself to sand if you're tracking animals and how you tell if um, a particular track is uh, recent or not so recent. So things like that. What, what do you want to do with the book? So mine, that particular one was designed or intended to be um, nice pictures of elephants so that you can enjoy the pictures of elephants if you like them, but also to have an educational aspect and also talk a bit about the project, which is the HRA in Namibia, which is one of the projects that I'm uh, supporting with uh, my wildlife prints, uh, with the print sales. So I put uh, money from those sales back into those projects to um, help them along. So these are just things to think about. It can be purely um, a picture book with just pictures, or you might be diving in and telling little stories about your, your primary subject. And obviously I'm talking about wildlife, but if you were to visit a city, there might be certain aspects of that city that you learnt about while you were there or you experienced when you were there and that would maybe create a section or a chapter in the book that stands alone. So (laughs) hopefully there are some ideas coming from that and having these ideas as well, thinking about them before you go on a trip is also helpful because you can think about what photographs you want to take and again I've spoken before about where you can get inspiration for that and it might be by looking at Instagram it might be by looking at websites about that place or that animal or whatever it is and um, everything's visual these days so there's lots of ideas and you may even like a particular shot if it's a place what I used to do when I was doing more travel photography I would often uh, so this is really pre-internet days I would go to um, tourist shops where they had postcards and I would just flick through the postcards and look at the shots they had in the postcards and then um, if I like them I might buy one or t- one or two three whatever it was postcards then go back to my hotel and work out where they'd taken the shot from so that I could reproduce that shot if I wanted to or think of a way of doing that shot but having my own little spin on it so there's different ways you can approach the subject of shooting your subject and how you can make use of other people's ideas. I mean, we're all sharing ideas. It might not be conscious, but we're all doing it. So um, that's another thing to just look at. So as you're reducing the potential candidates, if you like, for your book, these are the kind of things to be um, to be thinking about. And then probably the final thing is once you've got your collection of um, or your your sort of final pass of photographs and in my case it depends on the book but generally it's around 100 um, sometimes a bit less sometimes a bit more depends what I'm going for and then I look at just how I'm going to present them in the book and as I said it might be a full page image it might even be a double page spread you could you know do a full um, double page reproduction of the image and for those, if you're going to use those, the lay flat books are good for that kind of image because you lose the um, the spine effectively. So it just becomes a much um, wider um, shot. And the other way, of course, is to have several photographs on a page. So it might be four, it might be two, it might be six, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Then the other thing to think about is do you want much text. I tend to, if if I'm not particularly wanting to educate, I tend to reduce my text because I'd rather make it about the photograph. 
if your text is purely identifying the subject, let's say an animal, uh, that might be the animal where you shot it, maybe when you shot it, if you want to date stamp it. You can either have that on the page or you could have just a, a, a section at the back where you just list the photographs maybe page by page and just have that information there. So you might want to make it purely a, a much more, I think of it as an art book where the photograph stands alone as a piece of art. Um, words might be a distraction, particularly if it's one of those photographs where you, with, a, with an animal or even with a person, you've got really good eye contact. And with that kind of shot, you might even have one image maybe on one page and the facing page is blank, no text. So there's absolutely no distractions at all. So obviously there are different ways to approach the photo book. It might be a documentary book. So you might be just telling your story. It might almost be a visual diary. If you're traveling, you might choose to do it day by day and just start each section with the date and where you are maybe. Um, you might be able to add maps of, to show physically where you are and maybe where you traveled that day so that people know where that section of photographs were taken and then you move on to the, the next section or chapter and you do the next day. Um, if It might be by geographic location. So again, I've really covered most of this, but it's just things to think about what would make the most sense to somebody who doesn't know the background story. I think that's the best way to approach it. If somebody doesn't particularly know you, they don't know what you were doing, why you were there, how can you use the photographs to pass that message back to them so that they get they can understand uh, what you're doing while you're there? So that, I think, pretty much covers it. As I've said, um, do make sure that you're perhaps starting with the end in mind. Uh, the usual things are to make sure you really know your camera uh, when you're away because that way you can focus on the art side of it, if you like, or the creative side of coming up with the final image that you want without having to um, either look things up on your camera or even worse, take shots and then realise you completely messed them up and um, your focus is wrong or your depth of field is wrong or your lighting is wrong, whatever else. So... As always, if you, especially if you're going away on a trip where you, it's expensive or difficult to go back, I definitely recommend uh, taking as many photographs as you can with your camera so that you are really familiar with how to use it and how to get the kind of results you're uh, aiming for. So that might be uh, walking around where you live, taking photographs. It might be photographing any wildlife you've got around. My go-to is always birds because... Uh, Birds are pretty much everywhere and they they can be quite tricky to shoot. So I think they're quite a good subject to practice on. And once you've started getting your bird shots to a stage where you're getting them where you want them, um, then you're in good shape for doing what you want to do when you're away. Okay, so I'm going to finish it there. It's a slightly shorter podcast than usual, but hopefully a useful one. And I will speak to you again next time. So bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. 
Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 